This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we are talking Knives Out. It's a whodunit. I say it's a, say it's a whodunit. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, Hello! Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back to other movie topics. This is episode 388. 388. 12 away. <laughs> 12 away from 400. That's correct. It seemed like unnecessary math that you had to do for that. <laughs> it answers a lot of questions that were lingering before we started recording. There are a lot of... We do like to leave cliffhangers at the end of every episode, so there are a lot of loose threads in the Out Now Fair Indie podcast. That's that's what I like to think of it. Uh, but this week we're talking Knives Out, the latest film from director writer-director Ryan Johnson. And joining us this week for Knives Out we have from Fast Film Reviews, is he the donut or the donut hole? It's Mark Hoban. Hi, everyone. Also joining us, co-producer... Of the inheritance now on Broadway, he has an eye on the thromby fortune. It's Maxwell Hadid. Hello, everybody. How are you? How are the two of you doing this evening? Very well. I'm cold, but good. Good. Well, glad glad to have you guys back here. It's been, it's been a little bit since we've uh, last had you guys on, but always welcome to have two of the uh, esteemed members of the Out Now podcast. Oh, um, you you flatter us. Yeah. <laughs> Two of the, some of the OGs here. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So we're coming. We've, we've You're warming me es- up with this praise. We've reached esteemed status. That's that's pretty nice. Is well, that yeah. is that beyond friend of the show, Aaron? I I mean, there's no jackets, but I mean, <laughs> oh. not that not that you know of yet. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you're making jackets for us, like I'm, I'm looking forward to you know <laughs> wearing one that says now wearing a name on the back of it. But we'll see I wouldn't that wear goes. that. No. Oh, well, in that case, I might have to make up some ideas. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, good to have you guys here. Let's get to some show notes real quick. Uh, first up, new commentary track is out now for the month of November. It is for Interview with the Vampire. We had a lot of participants on that commentary track, and that's up on iTunes now. You can get that. Uh, we do one every month, and that means it is now December, which means that there will be a new one coming soon, which will be for Star Wars Episode Three: colon, Revenge of the Sith. Almost as if there's a Star Wars movie coming out in December. I know, and we've done one, two, four, five, and six, so naturally, <laughs> we've done it in order, the correct way, and we'll come up with that one soon enough. Um, but yeah, that should be a lot of fun as well. And uh, of course, iTunes and user ratings, good to get those, helps out our show, helps other people find our show. If you want to log on to iTunes, search for Out Now Third Name, you can do that, and you can give us a rating or review. Thanks so much in advance. Yeah. All right, let's get to some know everybody. We each week we ask each other a question or two, try to set the tone for the podcast. We better get to know everybody. everybody. Know everybody. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. That was good. It was a good refrain. Um, Abe, you have a question for us? Question for you guys. What's the oldest house that you've been in? Oldest house? Mm-hmm. I mean, I-, I stood inside some huts on Masada. That seems pretty old. That's pretty old. <laughs> That's no really, murders happen in that house. I've been to like lots of like ruins hmm. around the world, but the building I live in was first built in 1909, so it's over 100 years old. So that's pretty old. Yeah. Hmm. That's a good question. Mark, do you have any old houses you've been in? 
I mean, I don't know, like, when was the Winchester Mystery House built? I was thinking that, too, initially, also. <laughs> then I was like, wait a minute, I've been to Ancient Ruins before, so that's better. Uh, I want to say, what, yeah, the 1800s? Yeah, I'm sure it's not. I want to say the 1800s, maybe, or maybe early 1900s? Uh, it, it began construction in 1884. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been in there. That's know? local, so. And that's got creaky staircases, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, the, the mark of an old house. <laughs> <laughs> It's got to have creaky staircases. Can't gear some up. Abe, do you have an answer for this question? I do. Is is uh probably like the Mukes home back in Fresno? We used to take vacation or not vacations. We used to go on field trips there, and it was just like this old uh, like Victorian style home in in downtown Fresno. It's, it was kind of a uh, it was a really cool place to go as like a four year old or I'm sorry as a fourth grader. A lot of Fresno talk on this episode. Oh, I know. I, I um. I have been to Ernest, Ernest Hemingway's house, which was first built in 1851. There you go. Which is fairly old. Hashtag who wants to fight. Huh. <laughs> I, I built a cabin out of Lincoln Logs before, so I mean that. I mean, come on. Now, now so were you inside that, that though? <laughs> yes. yes I, I ran into a, um, a uh, Wayne Zielinski scenario where I was accidentally shrunken down. I had to think of that name. And, <laughs> and, and, that was and, a deep pull. And, and, and ran right inside the house to avoid the giant ants and scorpions that were chasing me. <laughs> oh, boy. Good thing the <laughs> house is built pretty sturdy. That's what I really have to say about that situation. Was anyone the son Mikey? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's what it is. That, is wait, is Mikey the son or is Mikey no, like, he, the, the baby he's in the, the next little, one? little one he's the, he, that's eating the cereal, isn't he? I don't know. No, I'm saying, but there's the baby in the next movie, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Oh, I guess he might be in the next movie then. Yeah, okay. This is very and, important. And uh, then they shrunk <laughs> themselves, and then there was a TV show. It's a whole. It's there a whole. was a, a 4D ride at Disneyland. I mean, oh, there was. And a playset. Like a, you could slide on things. Yes. All because Aaron built the Lincoln Log House. Yeah, that was part of the. That's what Joe Johnston saw. He was like, "Guys, I have an idea based off what this, <laughs> eight, what 1989, what this two-year-old did." <laughs> good, right. good call in the year there. I have a good. I have a, I have a question for you guys. Hit it. Where and what clue weapons do you use to commit a murder? Clue weapons. If you're in clue, where and what are you using? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm always like, I'm always really partial to the rope. And like, kind of like in the garden area. I, I'm gonna say the candlestick in the billiard room. I'm not giving away my secrets. <laughs> Ooh, I like it. I like the way that you play. It's Nick Zelinsky, by the way. No, oh, almost. <laughs> the baby is Adam in Honey I Blew Up the Kid. Mikey, Adam, what's the difference? There's no Mikey at all. You're just you said Mikey and cereal, so you're just thinking of like. A <laughs> yeah, life I'm thinking commercial. of life. <laughs> Aaron, do you have a do you have a clue a clue answer? Yeah, the the rope in the parlor. There you go. <laughs> Two rope guys right here. Yeah, that's you know rope. I do like the way that Maxwell plays though. Hides his cards close to the vest there. Rope. It's the duct tape for billionaires. <laughs> I, I have a question. Yeah. yeah. If someone close to you was murdered and you didn't know who did it, what fictional detective would you hire to help solve the murder? That's a great question there. Hmm. I mean, it's hard not to go with Inspector Pierrot, but also BBC Sherlock seems like he'd be on the case and cracking it within five minutes. I'm glad you identified which Sherlock. There are many. Yeah. 
You don't. You weren't like Johnny Lee Miller's Sherlock on CBS. <laughs> no, that that's not called Sherlock. That's called uh, Elementary. Elementary. But he's yeah. still a Sherlock. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it is a good show. But let's see. I I'm partial to a Sherlock, and I'd probably either. Hmm. I'm gonna Google best detectives. <laughs> see what see what the the first answer is. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Sam Spade as envisioned by Humphrey Bogart. Oh, there you Ooh. go. Not so not um. Not, not um yes no that's philip marlowe never mind sorry <laughs> i mean i probably I, I might say columbo just because like that'd be more fun like he'd probably oh, like, man, he'd probably get like good. the same results but you just have like more of a fun time like watching him work you know i want to say that also matlock wasn't a, de- a, a oh. detective but he solved all his cases i mean like what am i trying to solve I, like, I have another one actually I, i'm gonna say jessica fletcher from murder she wrote Ooh, what if she murdered your family? It's very no nonsense. Yeah. This is oh. Plus, you'd have like tea after. <laughs> of I'm, course, like, I'm, as I'm, you do. I'm gonna say Batman. Ooh, he was okay. a detective. Right. He's the world's greatest detective. Yeah. Right. See, I would have gone Philip Marlowe, but maybe also Veronica Mars. I do like it. She's crafty. She and huge zoom lens. Oh, yes, her camera's game is legit. See, the yeah. problem with Veronica Mars, though, is it would take, like, 13 weeks, in, like, like a TV season, where, like, you know, Columbo, it's all been, like, an hour, you know? So it's like... <laughs> what's the... We're doing TV time now? <laughs> with commercials? Oh, my goodness. All right. I th- that was a good question. Thank you for that one. That was <laughs> fun. And that's how you play. No, everybody. No, everybody. No, everybody. Nice. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's get it out of quickies. Trademark. Each week now, now we have talked about the quickies. Trademarked. Crushing it. 388 in. Uh, you're not saying TM anymore? I am, but I like to switch it up every now and again. Oh, okay. It, it, it really does well for new listeners that are like, what is it? What is, why is this happening? Um, <laughs> anyway, Abe, have you seen any other movies recently? Well, that differentiates the longtime listeners from the, the newbies. Yeah, it's that, like the code. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. It's, like, it's like doing no, the old finger. Yeah, on, it's like old. doing the finger on the thumb, on the on the nose. <laughs> um, I didn't watch any other movies, but I did watch Seth Meyers' Netflix special, uh, uh, his stand-up comedy special, and it was pretty funny. It's pretty good. Uh, you've heard some of his stories before if you watch his show about uh, his children's births. But the way that I described it to my friends is, I don't get half of these jokes because I'm not married, uh, and I'm sure that you'd enjoy it much more. And they they did. Did you hit the skip politics button that he no, had on there, or you kept it in there? I did not hit the skip politics. I listened <laughs> to all the uh, the administration burns. Uh, the, to to provide some context, yeah, on his special, he had like he gets to political jokes, which right. I didn't see that coming. Um, but like he, wow, he, he alerts he alerts viewers that like if you want to skip that, I'm gonna allow the, like for a skip politics feature, and he, like he points to the bottom of the screen. So if you're watching Netflix, and, and it actually just, works. You can like hit the skip politics; it'll just go past those segment of jokes to like the next part. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Well, that's fun. All right, uh, Mark. What have you seen recently? Um. Well, so I uh, saw uh, the Irishman over the uh, Thanksgiving holiday, mm-hmm. and uh, I enjoyed it very much. And I did actually watch it over uh, two nights. Um, and I think for me, I appreciated it uh, splitting it up because it'll get sort of gave it a little bit more, I don't know, focus in each segment. But I thought, you know, it's really 
Uh, I mean, first of all, it's Martin Scorsese working within his wheelhouse uh, of mafia movies, and I, I thought it was really well done. I, I enjoyed the performances. I, I particularly think Al Pacino, once he shows up, because he isn't the star, it's about Robert De Niro, but uh, Al Pacino uh, as Jimmy Hoffa, I think, gives the film kind of a, a, a narrative thrust that I really appreciated. And he was probably, for me, the MVP, but uh, also uh, Joe Pesci gives a very understated and quietly powerful performance as well. And uh, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought, I don't think it's uh, Martin Scorsese's masterpiece but i i do think it's a very entertaining film and uh one that i enjoyed very much cool great uh we'll be talking about the irishman on next week's podcast so i'm going to refrain from speaking as of now too far about it but i will say um speaking to your point about watching it at home and watching it in two parts i'm currently posting on our facebook page out now with aaron and a's facebook page um a little handy guide of how to split it up if you want to watch it like in parts as opposed to as a whole because it actually it lays out a pretty good way of how to stop it if you feel the need to mm. um so yeah while i do that maxwell what have you seen recently um i saw 21 bridges and Ooh. i wish i hadn't oh Boo. Um, <laughs> I, I thought it was awful um, <laughs> I thought its politics and morals were really, really muddied and confused me. Um, I can't recall a movie that had more scenes of characters dying and, like, parsing out information with their last breath, which by, like, the third or fourth time made me laugh. <laughs> um, and as a New Yorker, I think the way it sort of presented the city didn't resonate or reconcile with what I know of the city. So, yeah, Chadwick Boseman and Stefan James, I thought, were both very compelling. I like them both a lot, and I wish they had stronger material because a cat-and-mouse game between them could have been good. Um, and then I also watched Noel on Disney+, Plus, a Christmas film with Anna Kendrick and Bill Hader, which was okay. Um, you could sort of very clearly see the other movies it's like cribbing from, like Elf and the Santa Claus, but it did have a nice sort of feminist bent to it that I appreciated, and Anna Kendrick was very charming. All right. Um well, let's see. Speaking of Disney Plus, uh, Anna and I, my lovely girlfriend and I, we did watch a few films on uh, Disney Plus this week. Um, we watched Lady and the Tramp, the um, fifth, fourth Disney um, live action remake of the year. Of the year, what Dumbo, Sounds Aladdin, right. fifth, fifth, right? If we could, if we could, Maleficent, Maleficent yeah, if you include still, Maleficent, still, still Maleficent. Um, <clears throat> yeah, electric um, boogaloo. I'm not going to say it's, like, bad, but it's just, like, like I don't need to see this again. It just felt like, the, the best I can say is it felt like a good game of dress-up. Where, like, oh, it's it's set in, it's set in like, a fantastical world where there's, like, mixed-race couples that exist with no persecution whatsoever, which is, like, that's nice, I guess, um, in the time period that they're supposed to be set in. And they're mm -hmm. the dogs that talk and whatnot. And I appreciate that the dogs, like, they work as far as characters go, which is more than I can say for The Lion King, where I just didn't care about how these how real these animals look because it took away from what makes The Lion King work, I think, as a movie. Right. This, the dogs, at least, like, you enjoy the fact that they seem like characters and not just the most realistic-looking dogs you have. I am aware it's a mix of real dogs and CG dogs, but, like, it for a movie that premiered on a streaming service, it looks pretty good in that regard. Okay. It's just... Yeah, it's just kind of like, all right, that's that's a nice thing that they did, but there's nothing really all that special about it. But it's it. enjoyable enough for like, uh, hey, I'm watching this on Disney Plus for one time. Um, we also watched DuckTales, 
and Woo-hoo. the treasure of the last lost lamp. Oh. Le- legend of the lost. La- what is it called? It's a long time. <laughs> I think it's Legend. Legend of the Lost. Yeah, Legend of the Lost of the Lost. Yeah. Anyway, haven't seen that movie in maybe twenty years, if not more. And uh, it's weird how quickly my memory like just surged as far as like, oh yeah, this happens and this happens and these things happen. And, and for someone that hasn't watched Ducktales in a long time, but was certainly a big fan. It's just an enjoyable movie. <laughs> it's, it's actually Treasure of the Lost. Treasure Land. of the Lost. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's why it's, it seems like a double negative. It's like isn't the Lost Lamp a treasure to begin with? Anyway, um, <laughs> regardless, uh, good. <laughs> um, what else? That's gonna be the. That's gonna be like the the re uh, re release box cover is gonna be Aaron Newell. Good. 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 <laughs> um, on Netflix, we watched um, uh, Klaus, um, the oh. an, the animated film mm-hmm. um, that. I didn't. I didn't really know anything about this going in beyond the fact that it involves Santa Claus in some way because it's called Klaus. But it features uh, Jason Schwartzman and J.K. Simmons, or just keep Simmons, and it's uh, <laughs> it it's uh, it's quite enjoyable. Like it's really good. Like a movie I want to like watch again and again on Christmas because of what it tries to do. Like it tells the story of a postman who goes up north to start you know start a post basically start the man the post office up there, and he discovers a person that makes toys and it exists in a time before there was like a Christmas tradition. And so mm-hmm. the film like slowly goes about establishing the various pieces of lore involving Christmas and gift giving and Santa Claus and whatnot. And it's in that regard, while there's a, I guess a weird message involving like the commercialization of Christmas, it still like works as far as a, an intriguingly drawn animated feature. Uh, okay. Like the voice cast is solid, the animate like the visuals look good, and I just thought it was consistently pretty clever. Like it's fun to, it's like a fun movie to watch. I, I yeah, this I was on the fence about it. I've seen it on Netflix when you when you open up Netflix, but uh-huh. uh, I might give it a go now that you've given it a recommendation. Oh, yeah, like I look yeah. forward to watching it again. I actually almost watched it today, but then I took a nap instead. <laughs> Which is and not a mark on the film or my interest in it. It was just what my mind was like, hey, go to sleep. Sometimes, you know, sleep time is very important, too. So Especially when it's snowing outside. It's like, ugh. Ooh. Yeah, no, I enjoyed that. Um, let's see. And Oh, last thing. Um, the, as far as new releases, um, the biggest film that also opened this week, besides Knives Out, uh, Queen and Slim, which I saw a few weeks ago. Oh, I, can yeah. finally, I can finally talk about it now. Um, it's very good. Um, this film featuring uh, Daniel Kaluuya and Jodie Turner-Smith. Uh, you've seen the previews, presumably, but it's about a black couple. Well, they're on their first date. Uh, they get pulled over by a cop. Things escalate for reasons that don't need to be escalated to begin with, and the cop gets shot. And they go on <laughs> in self-defense. Um, mm-hmm. The movie it plays like a road trip movie essentially. Like they're on they're on the run, but they're on the road a lot, and they're like episodic adventures involving like the things they get involved with, the people they meet up with. Even 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 Bokeem Woodbine is like they're, they call him like the Black Bonnie and Clyde. But the movie is more in line with something like Film and Louise, um, as far as the kind of journey they're taking and what's involved. Because it's not as if they're celebrating the fact that they've done this thing. They're you know they're trying to get away from the consequences of their actions and what i think really works about it is how the film's perspective stays on them but you get hints of the grander things that are taking place outside of their story where the mm-hmm. the act that they committed goes viral because of the dash cam video of the event that took place and so you're aware that the world around them is reacting to their crime but you're still staying focused on them for the most part so it's it's neat to see how they play with scale as far as the events taking place while they're just on the run. It's mm. it's well acted. Um, the story, I think, is quite engaging. It 
for as much it can it has about as much fun as it can have with this premise given how kind of dark things to you know are in the story but no i i, I thought it's i think it's very well done mark are you gonna add something the just the trailer kind of reminded me a little bit of the hate you give and some of the the story beats of that film anyway that's on a quiz jim let's move on now let's get to one of the Let's get to our trailer talk where we talk about what are the newest movie trailers of the week, when it's coming out, what we thought of it, and what have you. This week we are talking Wendy. This is the follow-up film to Ben Zeitlin's Beasts of the Southern Wild, the film he made way back in 2011 or 12, mm-hmm. 2012, wow. I believe, at this point. And, um, it's been eight years. It's been eight years since one of Marcus's favorite movies of the decade hit theaters. That's right. <laughs> that's and, right. Uh, no, that's, that's an authentic statement. It is. And, <laughs> <laughs> but the film... Interestingly, it focus it's it's it, it seems like a, a modern version of Peter Pan and the Lost Boys, um, and we kind of follow a young girl who goes to an island of other boys and they grow up. Like, is that an accurate Maxwell? What do you think of this trailer? What do you think? Of, am I surmising this correctly? Yeah, I mean, uh, establishing first of all that I do genuinely love Beasts of the Southern Wild as opposed to Marcus. Um, the film certainly seems to have a similar aesthetic. It feels like it leans into magical realism with a hint of whimsy. Um, and it does seem to be a riff on the Peter Pan story, which God knows we've gotten so many of over the last 20, 30 years. But this one seems to be setting itself apart by you know, centering the story on Wendy per the title. And also because it looks to be like more, I don't know how to describe it. It just looks you know, less of a fantasy film and more of a character story. Um, and I got some, like, Lord of the Flies vibes from it. Um, I think it looks good. Um, I've heard some things about it from test screenings, but, you know, I'm going to go in with an optimistic mind. Mark, how about you? What did you think of the trailer for this film? Uh, so the trailer itself, I don't think, gives you too much information as to what it's going to be about. But knowing that it's directed by uh, Ben Zeitlin, who did Beast of the Southern Wild, for me, I think sells the film. Um, the only thing is a little odd that there's been an eight-year gap between his two pictures. But Barry Jenkins also had eight years between Medicine for Melancholy and Moonlight. And those were both excellent films. So that doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing. Um but uh, because he directed uh, a film that I really enjoy previously, I'm anticipating this film. I th- I'm, I'm definitely primed to enjoy it. Yep. Yeah, I, I like the trailer. I think Maxwell, you described it very well in terms of magical whimsy, and Ben Zeitlin has been known to do that, especially if you've seen Bases of the Wild. Um, I think part of the thing that I was discussing with Aaron offline about was just uh, it felt as though it was a studio film that was making an indie like. In, in, an indie-looking movie, um, and then Aaron quickly uh, reminded me that it's the same company that produced *Beasts of the Southern Wild*. So I was like, okay, well, eh, I'll, I'll give it a go here. But as far as uh, the movie goes, um, or the trailer, just finishing thoughts on it, I, I like the way that it's crafted. I like the way that the, the I like the music. I I'm, I still listen to *Beasts of the Southern Wild's soundtrack and score today. Great. Oh, um, me too, absolutely. Yeah, it's a fantastic score. It, it can be used for so many things, and it really uh, evokes a, a sense of like emotion from it. So the trailer is well cut uh, as the trailer goes. Um, and you know that Aaron and I were fans of trailers on this show here. We, we will shout out trailers whenever we see good trailers. And I think this is a good trailer. I am curious to see how the, the, the final production is going to be. 
I hear that if you sync the Beast of the Southern Wild soundtrack to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, it makes it a more magical and more whimsical experience <laughs> overall. Somebody's going to do that, and we're, we're, give us credit when Please that happens. send it to me. I, I would watch that. <laughs> I um I didn't know what this was, like, what beyond the fact that it's on the internet, and it's like, here's the new film from Ben Zeitland. I didn't know, like, he was doing this movie before starting to watch this trailer. And even just hearing the title, I didn't immediately think, oh, this must be a Peter Pan adaptation. So I'm just watching this thing knowing it's from Ben Zeitland, who made a film that, I, yes, I also really liked back when it came out. Um, so slowly gathering the idea that it's like, oh, this is like a Peter Pan story. It's like, well, that's neat. And honestly, the thing that this reminded me most of, though, is uh, where the wild things are. Um, mm. That's the that's the vibe that I got from this trailer, minus the arcade fire, of course. But um, <laughs> I did like how this thing came together. It certainly had me intrigued. And yeah, the fact that it's just Ben Zeitlin, you know, sight unseen, that already has me, you know, excited to see what his follow up feature is. You know, after getting an Oscar nomination eight years ago. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I want to I want to see what this is. If you're going to tell me a new Peter Pan story, I'm glad it's something that's trying to be different. So that's neat. And in terms of, yeah, like, Abe, what you're saying, as far as the overall, like, look of it, regardless of, like, what the budget is or what's producing it, like, there is a kind of... There's something at work here where if, if Ben Zeitlin just has, like, the, you know, the faith of Fox Searchlight to you know produce something that replicates a lot of the same feelings they do you know a, a movie that was even more independent um as far as pieces right. of the wild goes i i like to hope that it, you know works well as far as delivering on what he seems to be capable of and uh, in, in his aesthetic so mm-hmm. yeah no i'm looking forward to this movie for sure uh it arrives in theater wendy arrives in theaters uh february 28th 2020 uh, i'm not sure if that's a festival date or if it's actual schedule for releases exactly then but uh we'll see It's also coming up soon. Yeah, fairly soon. All right. Well, with that out of the way, let's get to our main review for Knives Out. Harlan started out with a rusty Smith Corona and built himself into one of the best-selling mystery writers of all time. 30 languages, over 80 million copies sold. You guys fans? I mean, I don't do much fiction reading myself. Big fan. I'm a big fan. Who is that guy? Uh, Mr. Blanc is a private investigator of great renown. I read a tweet about a New Yorker article about you. You're famous. The night of his demise, the family had gathered to celebrate your father's 85th birthday. (laughs) And your son, Ransom, did he attend as well? Yes, but he left early. I think Linda was upset. Walt would get a little Irish courage in him. He'd get into it with Harlan. What? Richard said what? Are you baiting me, detective? Attempting to be thorough so we can figure out the manner of death. You mean if someone killed him? Ah! You think one of us, one of his family, Walt, Walt. killed him? Mr. Blanc, I just buried my father who committed suicide. Why are you here? I suspect foul play. I have eliminated no suspects. Harlem was cleaning house. Everyone in the family has possible motives. Was Harlan planning on cutting off Joni? Did he plan to fire Walter? Is Richard having an affair? That's some heavy-duty conjecture. Funny, Ransom, you skipped the funeral, but you're early for the will reading. Up your ass. Very nice, oh, Ransom. Ransom. I gotta do this more often. The family is truly desperate. When people get desperate, the knives come out. This is a twisted web. And we are not finished untangling it. Not yet. 
That should have been some of the trailer for Knives Out. After directing the 13th biggest film ever made, writer-director Ryan Johnson scaled back a bit for something seemingly more familiar with his previous output, a whodunit with lots of characters and personality. Daniel Craig leads the cast as Benoit Blanc, a private detective investigating the death of Christopher Plummer's Harlan Thromby, a wealthy mystery novelist. His family includes multiple sons and and daughters and grandchildren, played by, among others, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Tony Collette, Catherine Langford, and Jada Martell. There's a few other notable characters, including Lakeith Stanfield as the detective, and Chris Evans as the black sheep of the family, and Harlan's caretaker, Marta, who may have more knowledge of what took place than she lets on. I believe we're all fans of The Last Jedi here, so I don't think we need to get into too much controversial territory involving whose childhood (laughs) did what or what have you or other nonsense like that. But I will ask uh, Maxwell... Are you a fan of uh, of Ryan Johnson's in general, as far as his general output goes? And what do you think of this film? Yeah, so uh, it's funny you uh, asked me that because I, I did want to sort of start out my comments by saying that not only am I a big fan of like Who Done It as a genre, both you know in terms of literature and films, but I'm a big fan of Ryan Johnson. In fact, when Brick first came out, I used to post on Ryan Johnson's message board that he operated which was sort of like a pre-social media thing where he gave access and would answer questions and fans of his, his work could talk. So yes, I'm a big fan of, of Ryan Johnson. So, you know, one could say that makes me biased, but it also means I had really high expectations and I am super happy to say uh, the film, if not met my expectations, but surpassed them. I, I could not have loved this more. Um, I think it's just an incredibly clever and smart film that simultaneously deconstructs and then puts back together the very idea of the, you know, many people in one house type of whodunit with the very smart detective coming in to help um, solve the crime. The way Johnson has structured this film, the way information is parsed out in flashback, how we see certain things from different perspectives with this falling ensemble of A-listers, all of whom are terrific, um, was just so, so well done. It's funny it's thrilling at times, um, and everyone in the cast is great, especially Daniel Craig, who is just clearly having the time of his life. Chris Evans, who's a joy, going back to the roles he used to play before um, having America's ass, and <laughs> Ana de Armas, who really is arguably the lead of the film and maybe the least famous of all of them, and she is just sensational. She's the heart of the film. She is so, so good, and I'm really happy that she and Daniel Craig are teaming up again in the upcoming Bond film. So yeah, I love this film. I, I love its tone, the cinematography, the score, everything about it was like so on my level. I couldn't be happier. Mark, where are you with uh, Ryan Johnson in uh, his latest film? Oh, so, uh, I mean, I love Ryan Johnson, Brick, the Brothers Bloom, Looper, uh, as well as The Last Jedi. They were all, I'm, I'm a fan of all of those films. And the thing about Knives Out is this retro throwback to the kinds of classic whodunit style mysteries that Agatha Christie wrote. Um, But it's also a bit of the kind of thriller qualities that Hitchcock uh, was famous for. And those are two elements that really speak to the kinds of things that I enjoy. But as Maxwell mentioned, this is sort of a deconstruction of the whodunit. Um, It's not so much about who did it, but also why and how. Mm -hmm. And without going into the details of the plot, he definitely sort of flips the script and there's certain things that are revealed in a way that you sort of don't expect. And I sort of like the way that he subverts that. Um, 
Another thing that I really enjoyed about this film is the production design. I mean, that is a character in itself. It's set in this palatial Victorian mansion in Massachusetts, and uh, you know, it includes all these like quirky antiques and bear rugs and weird sculptures. And my favorite, this impressive knife collection that is arranged as like this huge circle that looks like a halo pointing at the head of anyone <laughs> who steps in front of it. And it really is kind of a, a, a a cute sight gag that you see in the film. And that kind of uh, style sort of infuses this film. And that's a big part of like what I really sort of enjoy about it. Um, it's also got a great cast, as we've mentioned. And uh, Daniel Craig affects this southern accent that really kind of chews the scenery in sort of a, an enjoyable way. Um, he unites the cast. Um, and then, as you mentioned, there's uh, Anna Dar Armas and Chris Evans that sort of stand out. But, you know, you've got Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Jamie Lee Curtis, Tony Collette, and they're all bringing their sort of quirky sensibilities to these different characters. And it's just a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed the way that uh, Ryan Johnson sort of assembled this uh, production in sort of an enjoyable way. And I, I, I was there for all of it. Abe, how about you? As far as Ryan Johnson goes, I, I like all of his films uh, that we've that he's directed um, and written and directed so far. Um, as far as Knives Out goes, I'm pretty much on board with what Maxwell and Mark had to say. I mean, I really enjoyed this movie a lot too. I, I especially like the way that it doesn't necessarily wait until the ending to give you the ending, so to speak. There's uh, bits and pieces throughout, and there's also reveals throughout. And then as the movie keeps going, I keep thinking to myself. Is there another shoot that's going to drop? Um, kind of just uh, a fun way to keep going with the storyline. The characters are all great. Everybody here looks like they're having a great time, uh, including all the folks that you guys have mentioned. Um, I do want to like, or I do want to give a shout out to Noah Segan, who's been in all of Ryan Johnson's movies, and He's one of his best friends, yeah, yeah, since, since childhood, yeah. <laughs> and he plays like this detective state trooper guy that just loves all these novels, and he would be like the um, the idiot cop in another movie, uh, but in this one, it's just like no, he's just a guy who enjoys all the fan fiction. I'm sorry, not the fan fiction, but all the fiction books that have been produced. Um, everybody, again is doing a really good job here. I do want to give a, a kudos to Chris Evans, Anna Darmus, and, and Daniel Craig for sure. Um, production level is great. I think the only nitpicks that I would have are toward the third act of the film. I feel it feels as though it's maybe a little bit too rushed for my for my liking uh, compared to the other two-thirds of the, the movie where I was really enthralled, really uh, on the edge of my seat. But obviously the movie has to end and people want to have the questions answered. Uh, and so it does it in a, in a more streamlined method perhaps. But... Yeah, I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed the whodunit aspect. I, I did enjoy trying to piece it together myself and uh, trying to just think back as to, you know, really starting to pay attention to almost everything on the on the screen as we were seeing um, it unfold. As you talk about the kind of third act feeling a bit rushed, I wonder if that has to do with how the resolution plays, where in, instead of going for shocks, the movie tries to go for character resolution, if that makes sense, where the movie <laughs> does seem very character. I mean, it is very character focused as far as which people were following and the story that he's that Johnson is trying to tell. Um, because of that, it kind of threw me off a bit as far as uh, appreciating this as like a mystery over, I don't know, a Ryan Johnson film, a film about like you know people personality style what have you and it's not to say that's a that's a knock against the film i quite enjoy the film i'm with you guys i think the movie is pretty great as far as delivering something that's fun enjoyable and keeps you guessing 
at the same time, it's like as a whodunit, I have been trying to know, you know, you guys have already said it as far as how Johnson tends to work as a filmmaker. He tends to deconstruct his genres and kind of put them back together. So he delivers on both the entertainment value that you get from a whodunit or a noir or a time travel movie while also picking apart those pieces and doing trying to do something new with that. Right. He does, he does that here again. And it just there's something about it that like holds it's holding me back slightly, I guess, from appreciating the kind of story that he's actually telling here. Um, I'm not going to say that like I figured it out early on, that's why I ruined it for me. But there was something about how the reveals played out where I felt like less enthusiastic about that aspect versus everything else going on in the film that I'm very enthusiastic about, if that makes sense. Um, so with that in mind, I did appreciate like everything else in this movie a lot like and i appreciate the story too it's just something about it's it's not maybe in this discussion i'll kind of get i'll figure it out maybe but no as far as the movie itself goes like mark you said the production design is fantastic here every shot in this movie has something going on which is not unlike every other ryan johnson film but i mean he has you know this outstanding cast to go along with a house full of trinkets that have everything happening in one in like one frame like every, every shot there's like eyes looking at something from somebody or something it's just like it's very thought out and that that, that i very much appreciated and yes mm-hmm. daniel craig is having a ball in this movie like if he could like i look forward to the next bond movie probably because it's the last bond movie but at the same time <laughs> he seems to like really enjoy being like i'm just gonna play a character actor and just like just be this guy that can take especially with southern accents apparently between this and logan lucky which is <laughs> yeah. also fantastic like it's just a lot to appreciate there and just like the cast, it like the the supporting cast, everyone has something to do in this movie that I enjoy for the yeah. most part. I feel like <laughs> this is a weird thing to say, but the the um the Jaden Bartels character, the the boy with the cell phone in his hand, who's said to be like an alt right troll. Yeah, it seems like he could have been a little more racist. Is that weird? Is that a weird <laughs> thing to say? Like it seems like <laughs> well, that's the subtlety of it, I guess. I suppose. Well. <laughs> You know, now that you brought him up, I, I was going to say that I think the other thing that has to be talked about this film is the politics yes. and yeah. the discussion of class warfare in modern America, um, which is actually in line with a couple other films this year, like Parasite or Knives Out. Uh, sorry, Ready or Not, um, which this has some similarities to. Even a um, Joker to an extent. Sure. Um, yeah, and, and, and I, I know you're a huge fan, so you don't want to talk too much about it. <laughs> I don't. Um, but also no, but immigration I, for the character of Anna Darmus. Yes, absolutely. It, it, it does focus its political um, commentary on immigration, and the way some of the other characters in this film talk about it is very illuminating to the way a lot of people in this country feel right now. And I think it, it's subtly but clearly... Um, cuts into that sort of feeling um, in a very smart way that then ties into the mystery and the characters. Um, So I I appreciate that the alt-right troll character wasn't so overt. You knew, we all know how they talk. It didn't have to go into that. And and I think it also speaks to how a lot of those types of people are one way in real life and then much more mean and disgusting on the internet. I, I, only so, pointed, I only pointed out just because the film wanted to constantly tell me that he's this way without actually showing me that he's this way. And not that I need to hear that kind of language in a movie like this. As far so as like, yeah, Aaron, yeah. if, if I may be so bold, I mean like to crystallize what maybe you're saying, Daniel Craig was operating at maybe like a nine and Jaden Martell is operating at like maybe a six. So he's not quite as like, 
at in the same sort of you know big performance. That's fair, and like yeah. obviously, like I mean, the character's not that involved in this movie, so it's not a huge. He, he's it's really just, not. It's I mean, just something not. that I. It's just there's like, like he's, he, he just, gives I, some I, exposition I, here and there. Another another thing too is I mean, there's so many people working in this movie, and of course we we've mentioned Ana de Armas and Chris Evans as sort of highlights, but I also I just I don't something about Tony Collette just when she shows up and just her sort of snarky kind of like facial expressions i really enjoy there's something about her that i i always appreciate in everything she does and you know i mean sometimes she's the star of the film um you know as she uh was in um uh hereditary yeah hereditary exactly where she really great facial expressions got but in knives out i she, she's memorable as well so i mean i mean and then you know then you see don johnson and he's like oh i i I personally, I didn't, you know, I haven't really thought about him for a long time. So yeah. he, he makes this. an appearance. You mentioned this, and I, I, he's been on, he's been on Watchmen, the HBO series, uh, where uh, he, so I'm not, watch, I'm not watching that. I no. understand, but he also he plays, he's very good in, in the in the show for the, he's not in it very much, but like the he leaves an impression, and so seeing him again here where he plays. There's weird connections between that, but regardless, he he's awful in this movie. Not bad as an actor. He's just like an I awful you, person yeah. in this movie. <laughs> it's, right, right. That, that's but, actually a really nice thing to to have seen on the screen because the last time I saw Don Johnson in multiple scenes was Nash Bridges. So, uh, well, he's he's bound and down. I haven't seen. I, I didn't see what him. He's been. What about um, Django Unchained? Django, big, he big was, daddy. He was. Yeah, that, that's a great point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do want to say and he's and a Don Johnson, his big daddy. <laughs> I, I did want to talk about the politics here a little bit, and I do want to say that all these people are bad people. In all of them, uh, as you get to to really know them, um, and what I really like about this is this <laughs> sort of reminds me of the Righteous Gemstones, where it's like they're, no, they're all bad people, and the only person that semi resembles being a good person is sort of the patriarch, but he's also a bad person. Um, but who Harlan? Well, Harlan is actually the most likable person in the he's family. A good, he's a he's yeah. a good person. I mean, right, right. He's, he's making um, very specific choices. I will say, well, Christopher Plummer is very lively in this movie. I was very yeah, happy to see very. him. Yeah, and Anna Anna de Armas can't tell a lie without vomiting, so she's obviously good. Potentially, we don't want to give anything away, but um, I do want to say that the the. The political commentary that they had during the the birthday scene, and then also as it progresses, um, the haves and have-nots. I mean, the when Michael Shannon confronts Anadarmus in a hallway and talks about you know our power and our lawyers and whatever else, and then she says, "Well, perhaps it's not that way anymore." Um, and then especially toward the end there, where it's pretty much like even when they're saying "our house" kind of thing, and then the, the lawyers have to say like, "Well, this is actually purchased by." Uh, in 1980 by uh, and it was built by somebody else and it's like this is sort of what speaks to you know the ulterior i guess not motives but ulterior messaging of just this is far and wide a country built by immigrants and you know has the backing of immigration to continue to make it uh, as it is today and and some folks will see it as theirs and claim it as theirs and they're just really short-sighted about a lot of things and uh, it's pretty great just the way that it plays out and, and who the victor is at the end. In, in 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 that regard, yes, there is a... Maxwell, you mentioned subtlety, and it's like, 
there's subtlety as far as how Johnson's choosing to like deploy this use of like social commentary into the film, which is I would say probably unexpected for most people coming into this movie because it's not like you highlight something like that in a trailer. Like by the way, like guess what else is going on? But <laughs> but it is like it is placed out there as like common conversation between the family members, which I thought was interesting because it makes the film it certainly timestamps it, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it puts it like right up in front to be like yeah this is how modern characters act and i mm-hmm. i think of that because of you know when you think of a lot of whodunits i'm trying to think of many like contemporary whodunits i guess i you could th- there's one way to think about it as far as well yeah when the movie came out in the 70s it's set in the 70s but i look back you don't see many whodunits today that take that tend to take place in like modern times right or at least not in a stylized right. way yeah, or something they- Tend to be that, period. Pieces. It tends to be a period piece or even something like Seven. That's still a movie that's like highly stylized. Murder on the Orient ex- Express or exactly, something. Yeah, exactly. Or Gosford Park. Yeah. Gosford. Yeah. So it's like getting a, getting a movie that's a whodunit that's set in 2019. That's very much acknowledging what America in 2019 is like. That's right. unique into itself. Which yeah, is and it makes certainly appreciate. makes the film have a very singular voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you go back and you read Agatha Christie's novels and then some of the original adaptations of them, they do have quite a bit of, of stuff in them that was uh, relevant to that time. For sure. And I guess it's mm-hmm. just more down to the movies we see today, you know, I mean, this is a big, this is a star-laden cast that's all set inside of an original, you know, an original plot. There's no IP or whatnot. So it's mm-hmm. it's sad that it's unique that we have a movie like this these days, but that's kind of where we are. Uh, so it's... There's I mean, also, and, and I don't want to ruffle too many feathers, but there's a small part of me that can't help but feel that at least some of the political commentary in the film is Ryan Johnson uh, in his own clever little way commenting on the way some people felt about his last film. Oh, Interesting. Which, uh, yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> That, that I feel like that goes about saying as far as yeah. having a character like a young boy with a cell phone in his hand that's claimed to be an alt-right troll. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. That, that embodies that to a, right. to a, to a T. Um, well. <laughs> I do want to give some, uh, some more shout-outs to the production design about this. And what I mean by that is they were so much in the house and they were so much around the property that when they actually went elsewhere, I was like, what's going on here? I, I kind of want to go back to the house. And... It's, it's um, you know, they don't really go to many places. However, when they do go to many places, uh, I did want to get them to, to go back to the house to finish up the mystery, and I, I was very enthralled with that part. So, again, they only go to uh, a forensics lab, um, maybe like a street corner and a street shop and, and a, a hospital and a, a restaurant. That's it. And the rest of it is just at the house. I just wanted to um, jump back one second to what you were saying, Aaron, about the third act. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like the way sort of the reveal or whatever you want to call it is parsed out is very influenced by the trope of this genre where you do ultimately have the detective sort of giving out exposition of how he's finally figured it out. Right. Which is why it didn't bother me because it felt very much in line with this being a genre exercise. I mean, yeah, the, I mean, the, the, one of the key examples I can think of in that regard is like the Maltese Falcon, where like yeah. the last the last third of that movie is set in a room. Like yeah. there's, like there's mm-hmm. it, it, and and it, if the it, writing it, and acting is strong as I think it is here, it doesn't doesn't matter. Yeah, and it's not. I know Abe, you were speaking to kind of rushed nature of the. It's more for me. It's there's something about just how everything adds up in a way that I get. It didn't. It wasn't as like. There wasn't like the it, the movie didn't feel like it got me in the way that I know, I know other like mysteries have, but I also feel like that's not the kind of movie it's trying to be either. Yeah, and so it's pl- I'm playing more off of like 
my expectation versus what I got, which is, you know, in a movie like this, there will be subsequent viewings because I like this movie. I like Ryan mm. Johnson movies and I'll, you know, there's so much detail in them. I'll be bound to watch them again. So I, I look forward to kind of getting more out of, you know, other viewings of this film as it stands. It's like, all right, cool. Yeah, that was a cool mystery. But the rest of this is so good. <laughs> yeah. What's, what also is so good in two points are just the script is really sharp. It's well thought out. Ryan Johnson has thought about a lot of, uh, you know, uh, the way that his characters are thinking and, and talking, the line that I would, or the sequ- sequence that I would go to is a restaurant sequence where Chris Evans asks for a bowl and then a sequence happens and then you find out what the bowl is for. Um, and then it's also really funny what Aaron said. It's a hilarious script. And there's a part where Anna Dharma has to throw something for a dog and then uh, <laughs> it's, it just happens in the background and you're just like, you know, Ryan Johnson's known to do goofy things like this. I mean, one of the scenes that I love in Brick that I, I mentioned on the show a lot is uh, when he's having a Joseph Gordon-Levitt is having a serious discussion with um, who's a kid from from uh, Witness, um, Luke, um, Luke Luke Lucas, um, Lucas, yeah, yeah. and Lucas his Lucas. mom is making them a bowl of cereal because they're having it at his mom's house in the morning. So Brian Johnson, hilarious guy, really funny script, and it's also very tight. I would say so. The, the movie's on fire in its early goings on when it has to, has a uh, Daniel Craig and and um, Lucky Stanfield interrogating everyone and it's that you know, piano it's, thing just was like what's going on here but it's the way it's cross-cutting between the various characters and so you're getting yeah. multiple sides of the same story it's it's a lot of fun there's a, and you get yeah. you know a lot of great actors to do the thing that they're good at doing so it's it's neat to, it's neat to see it all play out did you guys have a favorite character from the family or from from the movie aside from daniel craig seems like he might be like the mvp well i mean i think chris evans i think was sort of set up to be the sort of most compelling, you know, character to me yeah. anyway. I mean, by default, Michael Shannon tends to stand out to me. He's just, <laughs> yeah. He tends to Why? make very interesting choices. Yeah. And just the, like, just the way he holds his cane, so I found many questions. fascinating. Yeah, well, how did his foot get into that little thing? <laughs> I, I don't want to overlook Lakeith Stanfield either, sure. who mm-hmm. is quite delightful. And make some, you know, I, I feel like all the actors in this film had the yeah. freedom to make interesting choices. Like, there's one part where Chris Evans' character makes a joke, and Lakeith Stanfield's character finds it funny. And that's the sort of thing you wouldn't necessarily see in another film, because yeah. it's a terrible joke. It's a like a dad, like the worst kind of dad joke. But the fact that he laughed at it just added a whole other little element to it. Yeah. And I just want to reemphasize, I do think Christopher Plummer is very, like, this he is from, great just, in this, too. Like, my, my, from the outset, I was just thinking, okay, so he's just the guy that gets killed, so he'll be in here like five minutes. He has a lot well, to no, do in this movie. For, he has, he has, he there's so many flashbacks, so he's, yeah, there are. Yeah, yeah, he's a big part of the But, but I was saying, like, going into this, I just I just kind of assumed it's like, well, this this cast is huge. Clearly, the murder victim is just someone famous, so he can kind of get him out of the way. But yeah, he has right. a lot to do here, he's and he interacts with he interacts with every single character and just yeah. like the way he he's he's having as much fun as everybody else is in this movie. And I appreciated that because there's a yeah. way you can just have like, you know, prestige veteran actor that jumps in to do a few lines and steps away. He's he's in it. He's in for the, mm-hmm. he's the win here. And I, wanna, I love I mean, oh, yeah. just the name like his name is Harlan Thromby. Daniel yes. Craig is Benoit Blanc. I mean, Great the names, names of the. <laughs> cast or like, like there's a lot of thought that goes into that it's I a lot like of how, thought and also I like, like, I, I like, how, just like ridiculous i like how lakeith stanfield calls him benny every time yeah <laughs> me too. yeah <laughs> and then like i like how tony click calls him mr blank he's like it's mr blank, blank. 
Um, and then I, I want to give a shout out to Frank Oz. He has a oh yeah, oh, Frank Oz yeah, <laughs> and he just destroys it. I love the way that after his assistant is sleeping and then something else happens, transpires, and they're like, okay, I guess we're done here. She immediately just wakes up. It's just hilarious. It, it, it's you, really well. You even get like a, a two minute scene with M Emmett Walsh in this uh-huh. film. Yeah. I mean, every time you think you've seen the like depths of where this can go, someone else comes in. You're like, oh my god, I love that guy. Frank, yeah. uh, like, this is why the Last Jedi is the gift that keeps on giving. He, Ryan Johnson, like, has Frank Oz in there, and then he's like, "I'm gonna get you to be acting on screen again in your my next movie." <laughs> <It> yep. <happens. laughs> well, thank you, Last Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Um, there's one other thing I wanted to mention. I hope it's not a a spoiler, but there's a scene where a certain character is singing along to a song by a certain composer whose work has found itself in many of this year's films, which is just such a funny little. Uh, theme the mm-hmm. prestige films of 2019 that as a musical theater lover has made me smile completely speaking of music did you guys like the score of nathan johnson who i believe yeah. is johnson's cousin uh yeah, he, cousin, he, yeah. He's, he's scored all of his films except the one that features the family Williams. affair um what, yeah, li- you, were you guys a fan of the score yeah i liked it a lot um it's sort of very gothic and orchestral a little whimsical in there nathan johnson's very talented like his brick score is fantastic i don't know why he doesn't um work with that many filmmakers other than his cousin mm-hmm. it might be a communication thing as far as getting exactly what one wants out of someone you know so personally maybe that's speculation it could be I don't know. <laughs> but yeah i, I it agree just be I... that he's actually just ryan johnson he's just using a pseudonym to, to score it yeah <laughs> It's a, it's a Roderick James situation. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, I, I appreciated the score as well. And yeah, I am a fan of his, like, he, much like John, I do think there's like kind of deconstruction aspect as far as what you expect from the movie like this versus mm-hmm. what you kind of get delivered. So it's something that feels familiar yet, you know, new at the same time. Um, Looper's another great, like, that score is very yeah. good. I've listened to that. And the Brothers Bloom, too. Brothers Bloom was... There's one, yeah. there's one speaking, track in Speaking there, of whimsy. Was... <laughs> yes, there's, speaking there's of Brothers Bloom, Daniel Craig and his wife have been in Ryan Johnson movies now. True. Yeah. Trivia for you. Boom. Uh, let's see. Anything else on uh, Knives Out? Go see it. And go see it again. I did see it twice, actually. I think that there's going to be like more clues, like what Aaron was alluding to, just on second rewatch. So I've only seen it once, but I, this is totally the kind of film that now after you see the film and you sort of know all the reveals, it's I would enjoy watching it again, knowing the reveals and seeing does mm-hmm. the movie play fair and does it give you the opportunity to put these pieces together? I've heard it does. I, I mean, I would have I, to see it again. I would yeah, say it I, definitely I, does. When I saw yeah. it the second time, you can very clearly see the little nuggets that Ryan Johnson has put in throughout. Mm. It never gives away its hand too clearly, but it doesn't cheat either. Because a lot of mysteries tend to just try and pull one out under you, and you go back and watch, and you're like, well, that doesn't work at all. So that's, I think that's actually common in this genre when you watch these whodunits and then at the end you find out who did it and you rewatch it again and you're like, we did not know that information and there is no way we could have possibly assembled that ourselves. So if it indeed does that, then I think, you know, more kudos to Ryan Johnson for providing the, that information along the way. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's successful on a writing level in that standpoint and also on an acting level because you have actors that presumably, you know, know the twists and turns of this film. So they have to be directed to do 
certain things regarding how they react to scenes and playing sure. things mm-hmm. ambiguously or what have you. And so it's that's that's a lot of the fun when it comes to rewatching something like totally. Yeah. And when you have when you have Mark Hoban saying he's going to rewatch a movie, that certainly means something good about the movie. So. <laughs> it, <laughs> Especially it in theaters. I don't, yeah. I don't say that very often. So, mm-hmm. well, with all of that in mind, when should people go and see this movie? Mark, let's start with you. You should see it in the theater. Maxwell? Yeah, see it in a theater as soon as possible. Get out there and support original films. It... Same, yeah, see it in a theater. Yeah, go see it in a theater. It's, it's very good. All right, well, we're in agreement that The Last Jedi is still great and Knives Out also very good. <laughs> Two <laughs> weeks in a row. <laughs> All right. We lost some listeners. Uh, let's move well, on. <laughs> we kept the good ones. <laughs> For, for what, what it's worth, I would love to see uh, more films with Benoit Blanc on different cases. Yeah, like I would love to see They got together and made another one that came out around Thanksgiving. That would be delightful. Even if it was like a short film. Just 20 minutes, Ryan Johnson. That's all I'm asking. If you made a Benoit sequel. Blanc. It, it sounds like a really fine white wine. I love him <laughs> workshopping these names. Like all these different names. Even like Chris Evans' name. Yeah. Chris Evans, Hugh Ransom Drysdale. Like yeah. that. <laughs> right. Well, that's a little bit more yeah. overworked, I think. But His middle name's Ransom. Like that's, well, that's great, Ransom. great name. Strong name. Fits him. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's uh let's move on now. Let's uh get to a what uh, what time is it? What game here time? Let her know. In fact, Daniel Craig was going to play that whole piece on the piano, but then they decided to just go with one key. I believe Benoit Blanc pronounces it piani. Piani. <laughs> what is uh, Chris Evans saying with your uh, with your Leghorn Foghorn accent? Leghorn Foghorn. Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> Leghorn Leghorn. Yeah. I do declare. I, I, I say. I say. <laughs> uh, I've got a game for you guys. It's called Box Office Versus Knives Out Edition. Uh, this is where I'm going to go through uh, a versus game of which movie from one of the actors in the film made more money. Mm-hmm. So if you know which one made more money, buzz in with your name and tell me which one made more money. If you're wrong, somebody's going to steal it. So be careful and be on your buzzer. So you're going to give us two movies and one of them's going to you want us to guess which one made more money. Yeah. But first, uh-huh. it's the most number of Academy Award nominations. Yep. Uh who from the cast do you think has the most number of Academy Award nominations? Is it Michael Shannon, Tony Collette, Jamie Lee Curtis, Christopher Plummer? Maxwell. Maxwell. Christopher Plummer. That is correct with three. Yeah, that'd be my. Yeah, I think everyone except Jamie Lee Curtis. I, is, I would say the same two thing. Yeah. At this point, Tony Collette only has one. Six cents. She should have oh, okay. two or three, but yeah. Michael Shannon, two of them. Revolution Road, not Revolution Road, and. Let, if you want to play this game, let us guess these. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a warm-up game. All right, let's get into the real one here. All right. The Night Before versus All the Money in the World. Which one made more money? <laughs> Maxwell. Maxwell. All the Money in the World. That is incorrect. Oh. Aaron. Aaron. The Night Before. The Night Before. How did you possibly come up with that? $43 million. All the Money in the World made $25 million. Oh. Yeah, that movie did not do well. <laughs> I thought it did for some reason. That's it, why it's it, a fun game. <laughs> I mean, it has a Golden Globe nomination and an Academy Award nomination. And I'll that you guess uh, who for. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, Michael Shannon versus uh, Christopher Palmer there. And the next one here, Triple X, The Return of Xander Cage versus Halloween H2O. Mark. Mark. Hall- Halloween H2O? 
That is correct. These are domestic, right? Domestic, yes. Yeah. So Halloween oh, H2O, 55 well, million. Thank God for that. Uh, Xander Cage, 45 million. Yeah, you win that one. And that was Tony Collette versus Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> Next one here. Beginners versus Snowpiercer. Mm. Mark. Mark. Beginners. Beginners is correct. Snowpiercer that, made nothing, and it, it annoys me to no end. Beginners made good, $6 though. million, and <laughs> Snowpiercer made $4.5 million. Oh, my goodness. What a shame. Yeah. Too, too I bad Nam Jun Ho yeah. didn't bounce back from that one. <laughs> oh, I think he's going to be fine. I haven't heard of him ever since that movie. Uh, the next one here. Wait, Love that was, Simon. That was, wait, wait, wait. So that oh, was that was Christopher Plummer versus uh, Chris Evans. And, okay, yeah. Uh, next one here. Love Simon versus Krampus. Maxwell. Mark. Maxwell. Love Simon. Love Simon is incorrect. Aaron. Wow. Aaron. <laughs> Uh, God. Aaron, <laughs> you're good with the the, the pickup. You gotta be on your buzzer. I'm gonna guess. Uh, what what do you guess, Aaron? Shit, I forgot the other movie. <laughs> um, it's a fifty-fifty choice. Just say the other one. Come the on, other Aaron. One. It's got Tony Collette in it. It does. Krampus. That was Krampus. Yeah. Uh, Love Simon was with um, Catherine Langford uh, versus uh, Tony Collette here. 41 million versus 43 million. Oh, that's so close. Next one here. Short term 12 versus take shelter. Aaron. Mark. I'm going to say take shelter. That is correct. Okay, good. Take shelter, 1.7 million. Short term 12, $1 million. Mm. That was Lakeith Sanfield back when he was called Keith Sanfield versus uh, Michael Shannon. Uh, Next one here. Get out versus true lies. Maxwell. Mark. Maxwell. True Lies. Incorrect. Mark. Mark. Get out. Get out Are you correct. factoring in inflation? <laughs> I am not. <laughs> Get out with 146. You're not factoring in inflation, right? True li- No. True Lies with 146 million. What was Get Out? 150 something? 176. 70, 76, yeah. That's right. This is a lot of money. Mm. Next one here. Halloween 2018 versus Bad Boys 2. Aaron. Aaron. It's Bad Boys 2. That is incorrect. No, that's oh, that's incorrect. 20, oh, you said 2018. Maxwell. <laughs> Halloween 2018. Halloween 2018, yeah. That was 159 million versus 138 million. That was Jamie Lee Curtis versus <laughs> I was thinking Rob Zombies versus... Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, get out. Yeah. I didn't name it, but Michael Lakeith. Shannon is in Bad Boys too, as a yeah. AKK yeah. member. As a yeah. Goodness, he plays, uh, the guy in the trunk. <laughs> Goodness. Uh, next one here. Little Miss Sunshine versus Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Maxwell. Aaron. Mark. Little Miss Sunshine. That is correct. Yes, Sixty is. million versus thirty-two million, and that was uh, Tony Collette versus uh, Scott, uh, Chris Evans. I was gonna say Scott Evans. Um, Next one here. It Chapter 1 versus Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice. Maxwell. Maxwell. It. That is incorrect. Mark. Mark. Batman. Batman is correct. Uh, it Chapter 1 made $327 million. Batman made $330 million. Very Oh, my close. God. They're so close. Oh. You're killing I me, Abe. Obviously, Aaron or... Uh, but Abe did that on purpose, I think. Of course he did. That's why it's a game. <laughs> well, they're very close. I'm so frustrated right now. 
<laughs> the next one. <laughs> Neither were good. What? what? Freaky Friday versus Blade Runner 2049. Which will Freaky Friday? The Blade only Runner. one that a cast member from Knives Out is in. <laughs> Maxwell, Freaky Maxwell. Friday. Maxwell, you said Freaky Friday? Yes. You are correct. And that is a terrific movie. It is very fun, yeah. I love it so much. Yes. When Mark, Lindsay Lohan did good work. Did you have a question, Mark? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I understand why. I mean, you don't remember when Christopher Plummer cameoed in the original Freaky Friday? <laughs> <laughs> he was the gardener. He was great in it. <laughs> uh, last one here. He the was all, say, help my family. We're on the run and we have nowhere to go. <laughs> Last one here. The Sixth Sense versus Up. Aaron. Aaron. I'm going to say The Sixth Sense. That is incorrect. Uh, Mark! Mark! Aaron. Up! Up! <laughs> wait, wait. I'm sorry. Aaron, what'd you say? I said The Sixth Sense. Oh, you are correct. <laughs> <laughs> Snatch the victory. Snatch it away, Mark. Well, I I can't account for Abe's inability to monitor the answers. I say that every week. Here's why. The reason is because the Sixth Sense made $239.5 million and Up made $239 million. Oh, my goodness. I was like, oh, wait, which one did you say again? Tony Collette gets you that extra half mil. Exactly. Put her in more movies. Aaron, because you won that one. You got that last one. You won the whole game. It was between oh, wow. you. And... <laughs> that was yeah. It was gonna be four or four, and so Mark could have won that game too if I hadn't been a Magoopus. Did you oh, have I a tiebreaker question? Again. I would not have had a tiebreaker question. I would have come up with one on the spot though. Okay, you probably could have saved that Academy Award question for it. Nah, that wouldn't have been a dumb one. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> and that was box office versus Knives Out Cast Edition. That was be... intense, yep, frustrating, intense. stressful, yep. and fun. <laughs> I thought there was a bit of whimsy in it, too. Mm. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> That's a reach. <laughs> it's a cinematic page, Turner. It... Hey. <laughs> that Aaron Newthworth tells what he's talking about. Let me tell Newthworth. you. We finally figured out what the pronunciation is. I haven't checked the back of the boxes of the Scary Stories to Tell of the Dark Blu-ray, but I hope he's mentioned on that. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> um, all right. Let's, uh, let's move on to some now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Yeah, this is each week we ask each other. Bleh. This is where we go over a bunch of questions and answers on the Facebook page, Facebook.com slash podcast. We ask the listeners a number of questions, they give us answers. Then they, well, we didn't get any questions this week. We gotta get questions, guys. Ask some questions. Um, yeah, we got plenty of feedback here. Uh, and Mark, Maxwell, feel free to jump in with any answers you may have as well. Our first question is favorite cinematic private eyes? Chris writes Angel Heart or the characters from Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. So that'd be what? Gay Perry and Harry Lockhart? Do a good of names today, guys. Let me tell you. It is one of your favorite movies. It helps. Yeah. <laughs> Say favorite cinematic private eyes. I mean, Mark, you mentioned Sam Spade before. I mean, he's a great private eye. Yeah. I'm yes. So Humphrey Bogart as Sam Spade in The Maltese Falcon. I also would mention Jack Nicholson in Chinatown. There you go. Jake Giddis. <laughs> Jake How Giddis. about yes. Jackson Healy? Oh, Jackson Healy. Not, nice guy. Um, not, um... March? <laughs> well, I like both of them very much. I just wanted to make sure I knew the name. All in um, March. Um, my Philip Marlowe would be Elliot Gould in The Long Goodbye. Ooh. Elliot Gould. Excellent. Very I mean, nice. Yeah, um, Humphrey Bogart's pretty good, too. I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean he's fine, I guess. So. As there far as uh, Agatha, Agatha Christie 
adaptations are concerned, Murder on the Orient Express in 1974 with Albert Finney as Hercule Poirot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hercule Poirot. I did like Kenneth Branagh's mustache very much. He's got a very solid Poirot mustache. You know, my the part that I keep thinking about whenever that movie comes up in my mind is when he's, like, enjoying his, like, cream dessert thing and he's reading his book and he's just, like, by himself and be not being bothered. He's like, oh, Dickens. He's just, like, laughing to himself, like, reading and Charles Dickens. <laughs> you know, that's just, that's just something that Kenneth Branagh just does. I'm sure. I'm, that yeah, was an outtake that they put in the film. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's the director. He made the just like, that is a funny moment. But it's just, he's just like, oh, Dickens. <laughs> Uh, the next question we have is, uh, what dysfunctional family would you like to share Thanksgiving with? Chris has, well, definitely not the Leatherface's family, and probably not the uh, probably the Royal Tenenbaums instead. They would be amazing. Oh, Royal Tenenbaums is a great cho- uh, answer. Especially if they're narrated with uh, Alec Baldwin there. Um, you know, I, talking about this movie, talking about Knives Out, I, a lot of it made me think, like, what if the Royal Tenenbaums were just pointed this direction? Like, that's kind of some of the feel I got sometimes. You, I mean, it almost was mystery with um, with uh, Owen Wilson's character, almost. I suppose. Yeah, I wouldn't mind having Thanksgiving with the Hoovers from Little Miss Sunshine, which also has Tony Collette in it. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking pre or post Alan uh, Alan Arkin. Pre. Okay, there you go. Or if we're sticking with uh, Wes Anderson, the brothers from. Darjeeling Limited, I feel like, would make for a fun meal. I cannot remember their last name right now. It, it, it definitely would be very awkward, but uh, spending it with uh, Joan Crawford and family and Mommy Dearest, I think, oh, God. would def- <laughs> definitely be a, a, an entertaining uh, Thanksgiving. Mark, don't drop any crumbs. I beg you. <laughs> uh, Justin also writes uh, the Boggs family, and lastly, the Toretto's, because hashtag family. I like the um, the Toretto's answer. That's that's fun. <laughs> I don't think the I don't think they, the Darjeeling family had that. I'm trying because I can think of their first. I can't like, remember there's, one. There's like so. Jack and Peter, but like I can't I, I can't recall if they actually had like a last name at all. Which is weird because it's Wes Anderson, so you feel like that detail would be there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the Toretto's. Yeah, of course. You know, come over for a family barbecue and you say I'll bring the Corona and, <laughs> <laughs> and leave with a VCR DVD combo. Yeah, they have a lot of those lying around, <laughs> mainly because they're outdated. <laughs> they did not get. That's why they had to change their, you know, jobs because they're like, this is not. This Let's is go this, steal this, oil this tankers play it out. <laughs> we used to steal DVD players. Now we're international spies. Yeah. Kurt Russell just saw our potential. <laughs> <laughs> Look at how well we drive. Yeah, anyway. I mean, I drove under a truck once, and he thought, yeah, you can go on an airplane. Makes sense. Yeah. Next question we have here. Uh, Chris Evans plays a subversion of Captain America as the black sheep in Knives in the Knives Out family, the Thrombies. What other stars would you like to see take a dark side approach to a role? No answers. We didn't get any answer for this one, but I thought it was a good question. Let's I know see. it's the holidays. Some of these are, you know, people are traveling. Yeah. Well, I mean, Tom Hanks. I mean, he's currently in a beautiful day in the neighborhood, and that definitely the darkest tra- of the Hanks roles. <laughs> and that trades on the fact that he's sort of America's sweetheart. I'd love to see him play some something a little bit more sinister or evil, like in the Lady Killers. We play church music. <laughs> yeah, no, that's pretty something good. Something different, maybe. 
I remember being very excited for that movie and then being very <laughs> let down by that movie. Yeah, yeah I do not remember the same feelings. Also, because I, I, I am a big fan of the original Lady Killers with Peter Sellers and Alex. Oh, Gass. like that movie classic, fantastic. And so I'm like, the Coen Brothers, the Lady Killers, this cast, Marlon Wayans. Sounds, I'm in. Sounds like, good. Yeah. <laughs> so many yeah. questions to get to one answer. <laughs> yeah, I, had a, I was asking myself a lot of things. People were telling me to keep it down in the theater. In the theater, yeah, exactly. <laughs> During the previews. They're like, intolerable cruelty sucked. I'm like, that doesn't matter. It could be good. Oh, an- another actor I think that generally, I, unless you you may think of something sinister, but I Paul Rudd, he usually plays some, you know. Oh, yeah. Very... That could be fun. You yeah. Run. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to rack my mind if there's some, like, t- I mean, he's played, like, dicks before. Like, uh, like role models, he's, like, pretty much a dick throughout that movie. But, but he, he gets an arc. But he's still likable. He does, yeah. No, because he's Paul Rudd. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I heard you said, yeah, that'd be fun. How about Greg yeah. Kinnear? Greg Kinnear, because he's always so likable, <laughs> especially as like a uh, you know the new father in Anchorman I mean, Two. He played, I mean, Mystery Man. He plays like a jerk in that movie. Yeah, eh. eh. that was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, next question here: What are some great movies about celebrations that get turned upside down? Uh, Jeff has Die Hard. Justin writes Titanic, <laughs> A Christmas Story. Uh, Christopher has the Poseidon Adventure. The Stop for one second. Stop yep. for one. The fact that Chris wrote the Poseidon, Poseidon Adventure is a brilliant choice because it literally gets turned upside down. <laughs> yeah. That's why Christopher is one of the cool guys. <laughs> that's, that's my favorite answer. Literally it's, upside it's down. It's so perfect. Um, he continues with the Towering Inferno, Happy Death Day, Krampus, Ghost Ship, and Almost Christmas. Uh, and then Chris rounds out everything with The Omen and Rec 3 and Treevenge. Okay, so I'm going to keep it in the Tom Hanks theme. And I'm gonna I like this. The 1984 comedy classic Bachelor Party. Oh. Mm. <laughs> Very. Was that rated to PG 13? No. No, okay. no. That has to be R. Okay, good. How about Have you seen the movie? It's not it's in a not, while. It's not a PG. Yeah, it's definitely not a PG. Okay, you know it's 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 rated R. My serious answer is Rachel getting married. Oh yeah. Okay. My not serious answer is very bad things. <laughs> things. I uh, I really dislike that movie. Me too. <laughs> yeah. I, I really dislike it also. <laughs> it's way too mean. Like, I know very some people, mean. But I know some people like really love it. I'm just like there nope. to celebrate, and it yeah. doesn't go to plan. Yeah, that's true. It makes The Hangover look like a Disney film. <laughs> Speaking of which, The Hangover. <laughs> there you go. Where's <laughs> Doug? That's also a good whodunit. Kind of. True. They have to, they're all Inspector uh, Piro's in that movie. That's from a future Academy Award nominee, Todd Phillips. Well, he's already Academy Award nominee. Future two-time Academy Award nominee, Todd Phillips. Oh, stop. Yeah, stop it. <laughs> Because you know what we say on the show goes, Aaron. So we gotta be careful what we say. Mark, did you see Joker? I can't remember. You you saw it, I assume. Of, right? of course. How could I not have seen that? I'm just trying to picture your fast film review of it. I can't. Uh, were you like okay with it? Two and a half yeah, stars? yeah. I mean, I I enjoyed it. I I, I didn't use the M word to to describe it, but I I I I was entertained by it. Morose. M word meaning masterpiece. M mm, masterpiece. Yeah. If, I, if, if I had to guess, I'd say we probably have like the exact same thoughts on it. It's like, yeah, it's a movie. <laughs> it did a job. Yeah, I mean, right. I try to when I watch these films, I try to separate it from the, all the noise that's oh, going out in social media and just watch it as a film. And yeah. I and I was entertained by it. 
I didn't think it was like the greatest thing that I've ever seen, but I, I appreciated. I, you know, I really liked Joaquin Phoenix in it. I thought yeah. he was kind of the the selling point of it. Yeah, mm. and just it's it's a good looking. Movie. Yeah, it was like a lot of technical it's, it's very, aspects of it are very good. I will yes, I know, Maxwell. It's very empty. I know. It it's is an empty movie. a movie. It's, it's empty. It's an empty movie. <laughs> it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. <laughs> this is true. This is very true. All it has next... opening credits. At least the Snyder cut. <laughs> okay. Next question we have here. What are some great movies about relationships formed under extreme circumstances? Christopher writes, Random Hearts, Mrs. Brown, Nine and a Half Weeks, Secretary, Die Hard, is there okay? Brokeback Mountain, Love Jones, The Remains of the Day, and Moonstruck. Mm. Huh. Todd Liebenau, friend of the show, has Speed. Someone had to say it. <laughs> Jeff has The Empire Strikes Back. Michael has Castaway. He had a gif of of Hanks and Wilson in Castaway. Um, and uh, Catherine has Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> <laughs> Make me a match. Relationships born uh, okay. of extreme circumstances. My go-to answer would be North by Northwest. There you go. I'm going to throw in, um, damn, Phantom, Phantom Thread. Um, and uh, what's another one? Is that an extreme circumstance? I mean, he was just ordering breakfast and she's like, yeah, all right. Well, it's, in. More, it's for the later <laughs> part where, you know, know things I... really become spicy in their relationship. <laughs> it's like, what's going on here? More poisonous. <laughs> what is it? Yeah. I'm a little bit confused about relationships formed under extreme circumstances as opposed to just uh, relationships that are you know uh, highlighted by extreme circumstances well, I mean, I is that the by, same I thing chose, i chose north by northwest because he's literally on the run he meets ava marie saint and they like just form a relationship like it just <laughs> happens right or, or like i don't know three I, days I, of the, the condor the, the the movie A Place in the Sun I I sort of think about Montgomery Clifton Elizabeth Taylor and then uh-huh. the relationship uh, with uh, what's her name um uh, oh gosh the other I'm woman that... I'm trying to think of it too mm. how about the New World we're here to commit genocide but hey I'm gonna fall in love with you first or any <laughs> variation of Pocahontas therein but he's John Smith and she's Pocahontas I'm aware yeah. Shelley Winters. Chilly winters, thank you. Yes, I mean I don't want to go into the details of what happens in the film, but there's there's some extreme things that happen and the born identity. No, that's mm. a, that's pretty extreme there. That's a good one. That's a good. One. I think we nailed this question. What's next? I think so. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you think of anything else, just shut it out during the uh, the rest of the show here. Joker. I'm kidding. Passengers. Okay. <laughs> Abe. Uh, what are some great films? Where mere minutes change a character's entire life. Jeff has Total Recall, and Alan has a gif of uh, uh, Nicolas Cage in Con Air. How about Nicolas Cage in It Could Happen to You? There you go. It's <laughs> a great Nicolas Cage riff. <laughs> how about How about Groundhog Day? Oh, yeah, that yeah. that's a good one. He saves that changed. kid's life all the time. Every minute changes his life, <laughs> right? Also, uh, kind of along the same lines, Sliding Doors is sort of also yeah. about Sliding Doors. Cool. Let's continue on with the Ryan Johnson theme and go Looper. All right, we nailed some good ones here. Last question we have here. What mystery films can you enjoy over and over again? Justin hmm. has, well, Memento, Mulholland Drive, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, North by Northwest, and Disturbia, and not sure if this would fall in this category, but Shawshank Redemption. Sure. That's a mystery uh, there. I guess so. I mean, how'd Red get his name? 
Exactly. <laughs> we'll never know. Well, Irish. And <laughs> what's the name of the place where they have to go meet? To Manhattan Beach. Exactly. Nobody knows. Chris writes, not very original, but I love Chinatown and Shutter Island. I can also add seven. And Richard has Clue. What are films you can enjoy, mystery films you can enjoy over and over again? Clue is a great answer, and sort of going off of that, uh, I quite like Murder by Death and used to watch it often in college. I'm a big fan of that one, the Neil Simon one. Yeah, that, that movie. With Truman, finally, with Truman yeah. Capote. It, it has a lot of like great stars. Yeah, Truman Capote. Yeah, Peter Falk. It, it's, uh, I hadn't seen the movie in forever, and then Shout Factory finally released a new Blu-ray of it, and and it was like around the same time that Neil Simon passed away. I was like, oh yeah, finally, I can see this movie again. <laughs> it's, it's just still really funny. I don't think it's so, that like widely seen. Yeah, it's not. I mean, Clue seems like, in terms of comedy whodunits with an all-star cast, Clue seems to like... Over- Great ending to that movie, too. It seems to have overshadowed as far as those movies go. But yeah, yeah. Murder, Murder by Death, that's a fun one. Mm-hmm. So two movies, uh, both directed by David Fincher. I, I really enjoy The Game and Zodiac. I've seen those several times, and I, I've always enjoyed them. The yeah. game has more staying power than it should. Like, that movie should not work when you watch it again, and yet it really does. Yeah, Fincher is just very good at what he does. You know, that guy knows how to make films. <laughs> Who would have thought? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Alien also, 3, we just yeah. keep watching. Zodiac. Great, uh, <laughs> great video cassette DVD cover. Zodiac is, a ma- I mean... Yeah, it's amazing. That's, uh, that's Talk about a mystery that's still that unsolved. Mm-hmm. I mean, also, the place, in, uh, the place in Shawshank is uh, Zihuatanejo. Yeah, you didn't know that. That's we no. all we're, we're all just high five. Yeah, the other day. <laughs> you guys are waiting on me. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, that's enough feedback. <laughs> feedback, feedback, feedback. Let's do a little Latin represent what's out now. These movies that are coming out on Blu-ray, DVD, 4K, streaming, and all that stuff this week. Uh, a few titles here. First up, Ready or Not. Uh, yeah, go see it. I've heard good things. If you're gonna Meh. Go, feel free to give a yay or nay to these as you go. Yeah, I know, Mark, you weren't a fan. <laughs> I, I I'll say this. I give it a yay. I liked it. I will say it almost lost me, and then the last like five minutes, it won me back over again. So I was hey, like, the ending, right. the ending is the best part. Yeah. <laughs> like I was almost out on it. I was like, okay, I, I get the, what you're doing, and then it's like, okay, here, and I was like, okay, good, I'm into, I'm into this. <laughs> um, let's see, the Goldfinch. No, Abe no. loved it, right? Oh, it was a, it was a terrible movie. <laughs> like Great production design, shot by Roger Deakins. Terrible movie. <clears throat> Yeah, it's a film. Um, let's see, Funum, Funnin. It's an animated film. It's from it's um who's releasing it? The um, not Funimation or is it Funimation? It's it's a it's a smaller animated film that came out earlier this year. Uh, let's see, the much beloved Game of Thrones season eight, the final season that's out this week. Hashtag winter is coming. It already came. It came like three seasons ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's been here. It's like one spring. That's the new tagline. One um let's see teen titans the complete series wow are, are they done with this show oh oh, oh I, wait this is the cartoon animated show yeah yes not titans just got t- it got it that's the one with titans, the front the of the show anim- brenton waits yes yeah that's yeah. The, yeah that one no teen titans got it before yeah, teen titans it go. It's, it's fun they made a movie <laughs> no that's teen titans go oh now i'm all confused this is the one before teen titans go when it was slightly more mature when they're a little bit more serious yeah yes okay that one. Sure. I've heard good things about Teen Titans versus Teen Titans Go. 
That sounds like the universe is going to explode if I watch it. <laughs> I want to. I like to sing Teen Titans over and over again. Yeah. You, lost, you lost me like five minutes ago. <laughs> but Anna and I watched Teen Titans go to the movies, and that movie was quite funny. And so I've heard a lot of good things about Teen Titans versus Teen Titans Go. So I'm like, oh, well, I want to check this out. I'm on Natal's boat. You're losing me here, buddy. All right. Next up, let's see, on Criterion this week, The Story of Temple Drake and Tunes of Glory. I haven't heard of this, but it sounds interesting. That's right, it's Criterion, so you got some. They're they're probably quite good. Uh, let's see from Arrow this week, Slaughterhouse Five, which, which I've never seen, but it's the it, I I'm a the book is one of my favorite Read books. The book. yeah. It's it's directed by um, George Roy Hill, who did uh, The Sting and Butch Cassidy. So I'm like, I should be inclined to like this quite a bit. I want to, so I want to check this out at some point because I've never seen Slaughterhouse Five the movie. And uh, from Scream Factory this week, Big Trouble in Little China. Finally gets a deluxe Blu-ray treatment, and I'm very excited about it. Go that. see it. Yeah, it's a fun movie. Um, all right. Let's see. On streaming this week, um, let's see. I Lost My Body. That's the animated film that I talked about last on last week's show. Yeah, That's you had some good, good things to say about it, and yeah. I've been seeing more praise for it, so give it a go. Yeah, where, where, did, where did you put it? I, I mean, it, I, I opened up the attic. I put it there, came back. It was gone. So I mean, um, how are we talking to you right now? Just lips? just lips yeah exactly <laughs> it's the end it's like the end of Star Fox 64 where it's andros but it's just the brain oh. the eyes the nose and the mouth well, well okay. you're losing a lot of listeners right now i've lost i've definitely but you lost got Mark. me with that so <laughs> I, I think their first station was, yeah i think their first game the console was like ps2 or something it's Star Fox 64 so it's Nintendo 64 you know who i've definitely lured into this one jordan vock roberts like he's into this conversation <laughs> <laughs> Um, Atlantics, that's out this week on Netflix. That's the Senegal film okay, uh, that's, watch that. that won the, um, I think the Palm, the, not the Palm d'Or, the, the Grand Prix at the Cannes Film Festival. Um, this movie's quite good. I saw this as well. Um, it's it's a drama about a relationship, but it also has a kind of supernatural element to it. That's all I really want to say, but it's uh, it's quite good for sure. Netflix? So, yeah, Netflix, yes. What's it called again? Atlantics. Atlantics. Got yeah. it. Uh, let's see. Magic for Humans Season 2. Oh, I'm excited. I like Season 1 a lot. Yeah, that's a fun, uh, like, street magic show. Like, yeah. it has a lot, of, a lot of humor in it, but also some, like, clever... That guy, Justin... Uh, oh, Will... Willman? Willeman? Willman, yes. Yeah. He's very entertaining. For sure. Cool. On uh, Prime this week, not too much, nothing, like, super new, but they put up, you know, it's a new month, so they always put, like, a bunch of new movies on Prime. Almost Famous is on Prime. Oh, sure. Shout out Almost Famous. Hold me closer, Tiny Dancer. Probably coming to Broadway next year. Well, there you go. Well, (laughs) there's Cameron Crowe jokes I wanted to make, but I won't. Um, All right. Do it! That's what's (laughs) out. Now, next week's show. Next week, we'll be talking The Irishman. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, same here. A lot to cover there. We'll see who we can uh, rope in to talk about the Scorsese epic. Um, But yeah, last thing we do here. What should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Maxwell Haddad, what should people see in theaters right now? Oh, there's so many movies. Um, I don't even know where to start. I mean, see Knives Out, which we talked about. Um, gosh, go see The Irishman in a the theater if you can. I know it's a long chunk of time, but the less distractions, the better for me anyways. But mm-hmm. And next, I'm probably going to see the Tom Hanks, Mr. Rogers one, which I haven't seen yet. And... Uh, Waves. I I fully expect you to really enjoy both of those movies. Okay. Noted. <laughs> Mark, what should people see in theaters right now? So 
my one of my favorite films that I've seen in the last few months is Jojo Rabbit. That's still playing in theaters. I highly recommend that. Um, that's not as accessible. If you want something that is very accessible, uh, I would say Ford versus Ferrari was a really enjoyable oh. movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, I like that too. What do you see next? So I have a very full week this uh, week. I'm going to be seeing 1917 on December Ooh. 3rd. Ooh. Then Little Women on Thursday. and oh, then Why are they so little? I, <laughs> it's a disorder. I can't ah. wait to find out why. And then... Uh, Marriage Story for Everyone uh, is oh. arrives on Netflix on December sixth. So I yes. think so. All three, all three of those this week. A lot yeah, of great mar- Marriage stuff. Story is is quite excellent. Yeah, I mean I've seen all of those, and I can only tell you that the third one is great. I can't tell you that the other two are great yet. Right, because you're 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 not allowed to talk about. <laughs> well, I mean you I could actually, but yeah, I just don't want to. You could. I mean, I don't... <laughs> the buzz the buzz for those other two films is pretty good. So you're yeah. so good at building up suspense. Eric. <laughs> The good thing about Tune me is next week. <laughs> the half-life of my comments is pretty low, so you will forget that I said 1917 is pretty fantastic. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's not as though, you know, it's not as though anyone listens to the show here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, I, let me point out real quick, uh, speaking of Jojo Rabbit, I watched it again with Anna uh, just last night from this recording. Uh, she really enjoyed it. Um, she uh, And she said on last week's show that 1917 was like her favorite movie of the year. Jojo Rabbit is very high up on that list as well. She was a big fan. I, I would uh-huh. add that my wife liked Jojo Rabbit more than most movies she saw this year as well. well there you go. Yeah. And, and for what it's worth, because I know there's been some controversy, my wife and I are Jewish. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. No well. controversy, Nazis are bad. Well, they very, very, yeah, very bad. Abe? Uh, everything that everyone has said here, um, and they'll also add in Last Christmas. It's not a great movie, or it's not a it's not a perfect movie, but I found it enjoyable. Um, next is uh, Playmobil the movie. Looking really looking forward to it. Playmobil the movie is that what you said? Just kidding. It's you gonna gotta get that that uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Uh... Totally, yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be the Irishman. All right. The chances of me seeing the Playmobil the movie are <laughs> higher than you might think. <laughs> if you see it. Drop us a line. We'll yeah, read but, it on the air. Yeah, I will. Well, send us a message for sure <laughs> on that one. I mean, Daniel Radcliffe and Jim Gaffigan in a buddy animated yeah, film. exactly. What could go wrong? <laughs> uh, I, I guarantee if you brought that up to like Jim Gaffigan, would be like, I was in what? And who else was in it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Bring me a Hot Pocket. Yeah. Hot Pockets. And then his fleet of seven kids carry him off into the sunset. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag Noble Ape. <laughs> Um, yes, you guys, reco- you guys recommended a lot of good movies, but yes, Knives Out, Ford, Brie, Ferrari, um, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, I think is very good. Mm. The Report is very good, but that's on oh. Prime now, so it's pretty yes. easy to see. Um, like to so yeah, watch, check that one out. And yeah, Waves, if you can find it. Waves is very good yeah, as well. I'm really trying to catch Waves. And um, the next thing I'm seeing is Terrence Malick's A Hidden Life. Ooh. Uh, mm. Talk about I, Nazis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, <laughs> there's the Nazis all over the place these days. But um, I'm I very actually, much looking forward to this. I have that one on a screener. I should I should watch that. I'm, uh, if you have thoughts about it, let me know as well. Do you need help picking up that name you just dropped? <laughs> I'm looking I'm looking forward to seeing this. I've I have not soured on Terrence Malick in any way. I've liked his his kind of two thousands two twenty tens period of films. So, Night of Cups. Um, Night of Cups. Uh, Song of. Oh, uh, that was just. Uh, what is it? What's it called? Song of um. Song of the South. 
No. No. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Not I that. Know, you're talking about the one with Ben Affleck, right? No, that's to the wonder. Oh. Song. Um, song. Sorry? It was called Song to Song. Song to Song. That's right. Yeah. yeah no, Ryan Gosling and, and Fassbender. Ugh. Um, <clears throat> I've, I've, I've been all in on what Malik's been doing, and so this one, this one's supposed to have like. I'm gonna, more I'm gonna create. I'm, I'm standing right here right now. So. I'm gonna have a special podcast where I'm gonna host an Aaron versus Mark on Terrence Malik in the 2010s. Ooh, I mean, it's not much of a debate. It's like you either kind of like what he's doing or you don't. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. <laughs> Regardless, that's the that's that's the next movie. That's Got right. it. Ooh. Um, with all that said, that's a new for this week's episode about Narrath Aaron Abe. You can find more of my work, my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there, but I also write reviews for wisealu.com and We Live Entertainment. You can also find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? And Instagram at Abe.Mua and Twitter.com slash Walrusmoose. Hashtag donut within a donut. Maxwell had it. Where can people find uh, your, your stuff? I'm on Twitter at Cinemaxwell. I'm on Instagram at Cinemaxwell Inc. And check out uh, The Inheritance or Hades Town or Slava Snow Show on Broadway, uh, all of which I'm involved in in various capacities. Mark Hoban, where can people find more of your work? You can read my uh, reviews at fastfilmreviews.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Mark underscore Hoban. Feel free to. <clears throat> If you bleh, excuse me, you can hear all the other episodes of our podcast at iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, or HSWLOD. Feel free to email us at atnotpodcast at gmail.com. Right on Facebook wall, Facebook.com slash outnotpodcast, or tweet at us at twitter.com slash outnot underscore podcast. And of course, our Instagram page, instagram.com slash outnot underscore podcast as well. And be sure to leave us an iTunes review and rating. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Mark and Maxwell, for joining us this Thank evening. you, Mark. Thank you, Maxwell. Thank you thank for, you for having, having me. me. Oh, for Jinx, for Bobby. sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> we were like in unison there. Glad to have you guys on here, of course. Glad to talk Knives Out with you. Thank you, the listeners, for listening to us. And until we get to the show with the Irishman next week, that's going to do it. So until then, so long. And goodbye. I'm in. Sounds good, yeah. (laughs) So many questions to get to one answer. (laughs) I I was asking myself a lot of things. People were telling me to keep it down in the theater. In the theater, yeah, exactly. During the previews. They're like, intolerable cruelty sucked. I'm like, that doesn't matter. It could be good.